It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And what a difference a day can make from a weather point of view. This time yesterday, it was all about Storm Brendan. It's a much different picture today in certainly that the winds is going to be nothing like it was yesterday. And all of the papers uh, today are picking up on great photographs that were taken yesterday of emergency crews out dealing with fallen trees. There's uh, photographs of flying trampolines, guttering, falling off buildings. That was the one that we were talking about in Bantry uh, yesterday of co- uh, lots of pictures in the paper from Ballincollig with the cladding came off one of the buildings and that closed down Main Street in uh, Ballincollig and just some there was another unreal picture I saw it up on Facebook yesterday as well and actually I, I think we were calling out this particular tree it's a tree that had fallen on the road between Fromoy and Ballyhooley and it was actually resting on telephone cables when we got the call in yesterday we didn't know if it was resting on power lines or were they telephone cables it turns out that they were telephone cables but literally it's just hanging uh, leaning over on the telephone cables you can see cars trying to get uh, around it it really was quite quite dangerous out there yesterday gusts of 135 kilometres an hour were reported at Roaches Point and uh, there was uh, speeds of 100 kilometres and slightly over uh, reported in other parts of Cork County and in Kerry and in Mayo the storm led to a number of fright cancellations and diversions. It also made driving conditions quite treacherous. The two flights en route from Britain to Shannon ended up being diverted to Cork Airport. Three of the Aer Lingus flights from Shannon to Birmingham, Edinburgh and London Heathrow were all cancelled and obviously a lot of the smaller planes, you know, the propeller aircrafts, they were a lot of those flights were cancelled yesterday uh, as well and there was major disruption caused to commuters here right across Cork City and County and when we were inundated yesterday with trees and roads blocked and uh, warning people to avoid certain certain areas and of course the cleanup will continue today and it'll take some time I suppose for the full cleanup but I know I think here in Cork there's about did I hear about 600 homes are still without power there's a lot of people all over the country so if you think of the ESB network crews who were out this morning and have been out since early this morning trying to restore power to uh, everyone. And interesting that Met Aaron have hit out at social media users who were publishing fake weather charts. Evelyn Cusick, who's the head 
of forecasting at Metair and she had a right pop of people and branded the practice actually as irresponsible and she said there are those people out there who believe they're better at forecasting just by looking out the window and she actually yesterday while she was providing updates on Storm Brendan she used the opportunity to ask people to stop tweeting fake weather warnings and fake weather charts. Actually, I saw, she was saying it's crazy stuff and very, very irresponsible. I saw some of the weather charts yesterday that were being shared around on Facebook and on Twitter and I knew straight away looking at them, uh, there was one in particular they were trying to make out was Storm Brendan was kind of almost going to come back. We were going to get the tail end of Storm Brendan last night and people were warning when there was this nice calmness after the storm yesterday people saying oh be careful it's going to come back and was it a cyclonic bomb they were were calling calling it and I knew by looking at the charts firstly I saw some of the charts were the charts that had actually been issued yesterday morning and they were just being reprinted as if we were going to have the very same storm that was going to actually come back again and hit us again yesterday so I knew straight away that they were fake and Evelyn Cusick pointing out that there were a lot of fake weather charts with red warnings on them and she said the Met Aaron warnings are out she said we spent the last two days considering this very carefully. We have a full team of people here and we have the best high resolution model. She said maybe some people think that they are better at forecasting simply by looking out the window than us professionals at Met Aaron. She said we run a 24 hour seven day a week operation which she pointed out is paid for by the citizens of Ireland and she said she really was astonished by some of the information that was out there yesterday so just be careful where you are getting your information from and particularly when you reshare it because when you you even I was talking with John Paul in the office this morning and we, and we were talking about the some of the fake weather charts that went up yesterday and I was saying that how I'd seen some of them and he said he was getting calls in yesterday afternoon from people saying oh you need to be issuing further warnings and, and whatever he was you know and John Paul was saying where are you hearing that from because he was keeping a close eye on Met Aaron and on other charts that are very reliable and you know he'd people say to him oh it's up on Facebook it's up on Facebook and you know he was very politely trying to say just because it's up on Facebook it doesn't mean that it is uh, true so the clean up from Storm Brendan continues uh, today and if you do have a trampoline in the garden would you take a very close look at it please and also of course it's the days after a storm like yesterday that you need to take a look at any trees in your garden or any landowners that have trees that are by the road just to see, did any of them get damaged yesterday? They mightn't have come down yesterday, but some of the boughs of the trees might have been damaged. And then the next storm, if we get a storm, you know, next week or whatever, those trees could come down. So it's always the calm after the storm when you need to really reflect and check the garden and see if anything needs to be uh, taken down. Now, John Paul taking your calls this morning at 1850 You can text her WhatsApp 86 and we already have some texts coming in to us including one listener saying Patricia Boris Johnson and Leo Varadkar were on the TV last night and they told us what we wanted to hear they were talking about Stormont and they were talking about how you know peace please God is back in political circles in Northern Ireland and let the the good politicians of Northern Ireland now get on with the job and that's what Boris Johnson and Leo Varadkar were there to talk about even though that was interesting Boris Johnson wasn't able to tell the good people of Northern Ireland what kind of money 
is going to be making available to the politicians of Northern Ireland. And I thought that was quite telling in itself. Anyway, our texter says they were there yesterday to tell us what we wanted to hear. But this texter reckoned their body language said something very different. He also, this, I'm saying he could be she, but the, the way it's written, I think it's a he. Anyway, they left, they, the powers that be, left Leo Varadkar, Artishak, standing on the stage like a schoolboy that didn't want any questions. It looked bad and I felt it looked very unprofessional. Would others agree? 1850-333-103. And a follow-on to yesterday. Remember yesterday, we, we had a really, really great chat with Sarah DeLay, a young beautician who is a wheelchair user and she was talking about people illegally parking in disabled spaces and how she's been very brave and has confronted some of them and people have been quite rude uh, to her at times but that then led to hidden disabilities and I accept that there are people out there with hidden disabilities to you or I they might look perfect and they park up in a disabled bay and people are questioning oh why have they got a disabled badge and you've got to be very careful and it's a very sensitive issue and some people don't like to be very upfront and say why they have a disabled parking badge and they're well within their rights not to have to uh, be challenged as to why they're parking in a disabled spot when they don't look disabled but we were talking about all of the different you know people there are people out there we accept that abuse the disabled badges and we have people who use other family members are they will use the disabled badge to park in one of those spaces when the person who the badge belongs to isn't with them and that led to somebody sending on a piece where it's kind of the rules and regulations of the disabled badges and how you should and shouldn't use them and one of the points was that you know once you're in the car this is where it's the passengers the person with the disability if you know something needs to be done that aids and abets the person with the disability then it's fine to park in the bay for the able-bodied person to get out of the car to do whatever messages need to be done and get back in the car uh, to get out and that's all well and good but the person who has the disability can't be driving around with an able-bodied person just to facilitate the able-bodied person who wants to get as close to the front door as possible and wants to use the disabled space and you know we spoke at length about that yesterday and Sarah was saying she would never do that she's often been with her boyfriend and she'll park in a normal spot if the boyfriend is doing the shopping and she just happens to be the designated driver on on the day but that's prompted somebody to say listening to you yesterday Patricia my son has a very serious disability not just a physical disability and the only way I can get his medication or if I need to get messages like the milk and the bread for example some days is to park in the disabled bay at the shop door so that I can run in myself get what I need to get and keep an eye on him. You are well thanking you says this texter who obviously feels from what she heard yesterday that she's doing wrong by that. Absolutely not. You are 100% okay to do that. That's covered in the rules and the regulations. You're going in to get something that your son needs. You're going in to get messages that obviously your son needs uh, as well. And you're doing it in a very short, snappy space of time. If you're inside in a shop trying to get the messages and trying to get the medication that your son needs in the chemist and you're almost standing at the door watching out at your son, I guarantee you, you're in there. You're like Speedy Gonzales. You're in there so quickly getting your items. That's not what was being discussed yesterday. We were talking about people who park in the disabled space 
allow the person with the disability to sit in the car and then the person goes off and can be an hour or more away on the space. I mean, the one thing about those spaces is to use them and then free them up as quickly as you can for the next person who might need one. So don't in any way think you're doing wrong by doing uh, that. And thank you for your text to 0862103103. And thank you for to Annette in Mallow who tagged me on a post that came from Angarda Shiakona in Dublin. This came from their Facebook post page and it was a picture of what looks like a large people carrier stroke jeep type car getting a parking ticket for parking in a disabled bay and the actual post read Dublin can be heaven with coffee at 11 and a stroll on Sandymount Strand but don't park in a disabled bay without a permit and deprive a legitimate permit holder. Sunny Sunday morning stroll cost this driver €150 and the hashtag was Operation Enable and I know in Dublin they have had that Operation Enable where the Garda Siakona in the greater Dublin area have been going around specifically watching disabled bays making sure that people who are parked there have a legitimate parking one of the blue parking badges and they are clamping down really hard and the fine is €150. So that person came back on Sunday morning after having a nice stroll and it turned out to be a rather costly stroll indeed. So thank you to Annette for sending that to me on Facebook. And I want to, before I tell you what's coming up on the programme, I want to give a quick mention to this because it's happening tonight for fear that I might run out of time and not mention it uh, later on. And it is the Barry Row Ladies Club. They're hosting an evening with B.B. Baskin uh, tonight at half past eight in Court McSherry Community Centre. B.B. Baskin, well known former television and radio presenter. And actually, we only spoke with B.B. We had a lovely, lovely chat with B.B. here in the programme before Christmas when she came in to talk about her new book. She's currently a wellness consultant and a motiva- motivational speaker. And everybody is welcome to come along at tonight. A great night is assured and there will be refreshments served. And what's brilliant is this is a free event that's been put on by the Barry Row Ladies Club. If you want to go along and Bibi's wonderful, wonderful to listen to. She's got a fantastic speaking voice as well. She's one of those speaking voices I could listen to all day long. But when she comes to doing her motivational stuff, it's, it, it really is fantastic. But what's great is Bibi will have copies of her book with her because I know when she joined us before Christmas and we were talking about her book her book unfortunately is only available online it isn't available as they say in all good bookshops so she will have copies of her book available at the Court McSherry Community Centre tonight for people going along because I know a lot of people were contacting us trying to get a copy of the book and wondering how they, they could get it and not everybody is tech savvy and not everybody is able to go on a line and of course by going along and buying the book tonight the lovely BB will sign it for you as well, I'm sure. So that's happening. Court McSherry Community Centre tonight at half past eight. And as I say, it is a free event coming up on the programme today. We are going to find out what happened at Cork City Council's meeting last night when they were suspending all standing um, orders so that they could talk about the vandalism that had happened in recent weeks at Kilcully Cemetery. And we know across last week, Cork City Council responded very quickly, I have to say, to the vandalism and they put on 24-hour security. Now, the 24-hour security got discussed at the meeting last night and that's making a lot of the papers today with the news that it cost the City Council €6,500 to put on the 
security for last week. They're doing it again for this week, but obviously at the end of this week, they can't afford to keep paying 6,500 every week by way of security and a cemetery. It is absolutely shocking that we are even having a discussion that there would be a need for any graveyard anywhere in this wonderful county in which we live that we need to have security in order to protect the headstones, in order to protect the graves of loved ones who are buried in there. It's just truly shocking. So we'll find out what happened at the meeting last night. And also I know there there was residents, or not residents is the wrong word, family members who have loved ones buried at the cemetery. They were also at the meeting last night and Fiona Corcoran went along and we'll have a little piece from Fiona as well as to how family members reacted following the meeting uh, last night. We're going to speak uh, with the Simon community on the programme today because they've just brought out a report where they took a look. It was one of these snapshot studies. They took a look at a number of rental properties over, you know, a period of time, over two or three days. It was about a month ago. It was in the middle of December. And they just took a look at how much was the asking price for the rent. And then they compared it with how much is the HAP the housing payment, housing assistance payment, how much is that worth in that area? And they found out that over 90% of private properties are too expensive for people who would be trying to rent the house under a HAP scheme, which is kind of explaining why so many people have been stuck in emergency accommodation and have ended up living in hotels, ended up living in in B&Bs or in family hubs and ending up living there for longer periods of time than they were ever designed for. And it simply is, it's not because the families are not desperately out every single day of the week trying to look for a property to rent for their families. It's because every time they discover a house that would be suitable in an area in which they want to live, when they go to apply, either the landlord doesn't want to hear about it because it's HAP, or when they go to apply, they discover how much the rent is and their HAP isn't coming anywhere near it. And and obviously, I would worry them for the families who have decided to apply. The HAP covers the portion of the rent that they by law, have to pay their contribution. But they're obviously topping up their contribution, which is going to then put themselves under more financial strain. And does that not explain why, when we talk to the likes of uh, Katrina Toomey, why so many people are going to places like Penny Dinners? uh, And they're doing it because every single penny that they have is going to keep the roof over their head, whether it's a mortgage or whether it's in private rented accommodation. The way the HAP works, the HAP should cover the cost of the rent with the contribution from the family and then the family should have enough left to be able to live on but that's obviously not happening so we will discuss that. The independent farmers are heading to Dublin tomorrow. Can I put a warner out to anybody who's going to Dublin tomorrow? We can You can expect some traffic problems because I'm assuming they'll shut down the centre of Dublin City like they did before Christmas and they promised when they left Dublin City with their tractors and headed back home. They promised they would be back in January. Tomorrow is the day that they are heading back. So we're going to speak with one of the farmers. It's a farmer from the Ballylanders area who's heading off in his tractor tomorrow uh, to be part of that farmer protest. This obviously is all about the cost of and the price of beef. If you are living in the Skull or surrounding areas, would you be interested in hosting students for the English language school that is based in Skull? We're going to be talking with them on the programme 
today. And then Joe Heffernan joins us for our first chat with Joe for 2020. And he's talking about us all being kind to ourselves and to others. And there's nothing like being kind to everybody. On disabled parking spaces, Martin and Fomoy. Patricia, I know a woman who parks in a disabled parking spot all the time, even though she has no person with a disability with her. Her child is the one with the disability, so that's the reason that she has one of these parking badges. But the child isn't with her all the time when she is parking in the disabled bay. And she can be ages before she gets back to her car. It's a total disgrace. I've actually seen her use the disabled disc on her adapted van when other people are with her and not the child. Now, I was often going to say something to her, but I suppose I'd only be flogging a dead horse, so to speak. I don't know. I don't know if you go over and point it out to her and show her the error of her ways and show her and tell her, do you realise you should only be using that when you're so is, is is actually with you. She, I mean, I certainly would be mortified, I think, if somebody came and approached me and pointed out that I was parked in a disabled bay and that, that I shouldn't be because my daughter wasn't with me. Because obviously, Marsha is deafblind. So because of her visual impairment, because she's blind, she's entitled to one of the disabled uh, badges. And I... And, and, and I use it. Absolutely, I use it. And the reason I need to use it, I don't need to be that close to the door with her because I'm always trying to get her to exercise and I'm always trying to get her to walk, if at all possible. But I need the wider space so that I can open the door to get her in and out of the car and, you know, help her with her safety belt. And I couldn't be, you know, if it was a very tight squeeze. And it does happen when I can't get a disabled bay, you know, where you're in a very tight park spark parking space trying to get a window out of the back seat of the car can be a bit of a nightmare but I I have never ever parked in a disabled bay unless she is with me and I do try where possible if I can get a wider space that is in the disabled bay so as to leave it available for somebody else I do try and do that as well but I think if somebody came over and confronted me Martin I think I'd be thinking really twice about using the bay again so you know it might be worth just might be worth getting a bit brave like our Sarah was yesterday and confronting the person. And then, hi Patricia, Tom here. This is by a WhatsApp. I totally disagree with the caller yesterday. It wasn't a John from Cove who texted in at the end of the programme and suggested that we shouldn't have any of the, dis- the disabled spaces. And actually, Tom, he went further than that. He's against the parent... Do you know the parent and toddler one? He's against those as well. He feels there should be just one parking space. You know, you go into a car park, every single parking space should be the same and everyone should be allowed to park wherever they like. And he said it would end up end all these arguments about who needs to park where. And I did say, I think he's completely missing the point, particularly when it comes to disabled parking spaces. You know, in many cases, they need to be as close to the door as possible. And as I explained yesterday for the parent and toddler one, they need the wider space to get the children and the buggies and the car seats in and out of the car. That's the reason for that. Anyway, uh, Tom has a possible solution to people illegally parking, he said. Um, And he also thinks that John and Cove is wrong, that people with a disability are definitely entitled to those parking spaces. Uh, I would like to suggest, could the council not put some kind of a disabled card scanner in front of the parking space that would sense when a car was parked there. If nobody scans it, give them, say, five to seven minutes to get out of the car and then you'd use your badge, you'd scan it across 
this scanner, it would tell them that you have a legitimate car. And if it wasn't scanned within, say, five to seven minutes, then a red light or an alarm would beep. And if it was scanned, then a green light would show. I think if people realised that the red light would show and an alarm might go off, they would realise that they parked selfishly. They might not do it. Yes, it sounds like a terrific idea. And no doubt the technology is there to do it, Tom. And it certainly would work for people like the the car that I mentioned that the Dublin Garda Siakona put up the car that was parked in Sandybound Strand in a disabled parking bay without a permit it would catch up people like that but what about the people that we've been talking about who are using a family member's badge they'd be able to hop out use the family member's badge to scan so it wouldn't but it would solve some of the problem it certainly would work and it would be something that might be worth looking at thank you for your text to 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with a solid fuel Depot at Drew's Fuel and Go, Shortcastle Street, Mallow, Smokeless Coal, Turf, Gas, and Kiln Dried Wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie. Cork City Council has confirmed that the bill for 24 hour security at Kilcully Cemetery for the past week stands at six and a half thousand euro. The Director of Services, Valerie O'Sullivan, told the Chamber last night that they could only continue for another week, after which the system will have to be reviewed. And of course, as we know, the 24 security had to be put in place since up to 20 graves were vandalised. Cork City Councillor Ken O'Flynn once again joins me on this uh, topic. Good morning to you Ken. Good morning Patricia. And you're welcome. Firstly is it just me? Does that seem like a lot of money for security for one cemetery? Well for 24 hour security I suppose that's the going rate you know that's the reality of it. Um, it is expensive it's, it's, it's bloody expensive but look it's needed. Uh, I spoke to Valerie after the meeting and I spoke to her before the meeting yesterday on a number of occasions regarding the, the graveyard. Um, look, it's unsustainable at €6,500 a week. That, that will work yeah, you, for the a year. The council simply and couldn't afford it. Just couldn't, just couldn't afford to do it. Um, I suppose the next step forward now for us is that the uh, North East, um, which I'm the chairman of, the North East Area Committee with Kilcully is in, uh, and the North West uh, Area Committee will meet next Monday at a special meeting with the uh, newly formed committee of the loved ones of the um, uh, of Kilcully, the Kilcully Action Group, and Cork City Council and the Guardian will also be invited as well to that meeting to see where we can go forward on this. Now, as you know, there's a proposal for CCTV and the monitoring system. This right is there. what the relatives are calling for, with yes, extra and lighting. I, and look, I think the most important thing here now is that we ensure that this never happens again and that this can never happen again. So I suppose there's the Gardaí have their job and their investigation to do, and I can't comment on that because it's ongoing at the moment. Um, but what we have to do as a city council is ensure that the graveyard is, secu- is secured, is monitored, and uh, that we do have a CCTV system inside there. Patricia, since I spoke to you last week, I think it was, uh, this day last week, I think, um, you know, developments have gone, gone on further. I've met with more residents, more people that have loved ones in, in Kilcully. Um, I've been meeting with staff, uh, with Gardaí and, and various officials. I can confirm that there has been a, an epidemic of antisocial behaviour in that graveyard. Now, the sad thing about that is Kilcully is a lawn cemetery. It is, it had, when it first opened, it was designed and it was the envy of many uh, local authorities throughout the country and it was seen as an exemplary cemetery. Uh, 
But we have had uh, an increase in antisocial behaviour there over the last year or so. Not just with the break-in of cars outside the cemetery, but we've had situations where people have brought in horses into the cemetery. We've had situations where people have brought in slabs of Dutch gold and ghetto blasters and stayed there for a couple of hours. While having a party? Having a party, yeah. Why would someone bring a horse into a cemetery? Well, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, what do they say? There's none so queer as folk. Um, look, it, it beggars belief. It beggars belief. We have had situations where we've had antisocial behaviour in other cemeteries around the city. Nothing to this extent. It has been festering um, for the last year from what I can work out and from talking to people with loved ones buried out there. And then the vandalism of the graves is... It, it, Look, I think it's an escalation of antisocial behaviour okay. and leaving things go unchecked and leaving things uh, go unreported. Uh, and that's, big, that's being honest with you. Look, the Guardi have their job to do. I believe they have, um, they, they have evidence of people entering and exiting. And I believe there's some questioning going on at the moment and an investigation going on. Uh, I'm hopeful... Because there is some CCTV them. outside, isn't there? there? A number of years ago, we had a serious problem with people going... To, going to the graveyard, leaving their cars outside and people breaking into their cars. That's a nationwide problem though, can I say that's just not Kilcully, but anyway. Not just Kilcully, it happens happens all over the country. Um, So we installed the CCTV. We have another issue where... So, sorry, so on that CCTV, can you see people entering with slabs of beer and ghetto blasters? You can see people entering, you can see people exiting uh, on the night in question. So those individuals are being identified. I think one or two of them are well known to the guardians, from what I understand. Um, there has been there has been situations in the past, I've been told, where there has been day long parties, evening parties in a cemetery, parties, in the cemetery. Yeah, yeah, and that's the reality of it. Because no, I've heard of bush drinking, but wh- why would you go to a cemetery to have a party? Yeah, well, you know, uh, there was another councillor from Sinn Féin mentioned the same thing happening over in the cemetery in the south side as well. You know. So it, it, is, it isn't just a phenomenon here in the North Side. Are we talking um, about young people? Are we talking about young adults? Uh, teenagers? Young, young, young adults. Young yeah. adults. People, honestly, Patricia, people that should know better. Yeah. People that should know an awful lot better. That's Do they live locally? Better. Could they have family member buried there? Uh, the, some people have family members ah, buried there. Ah, come yeah. on. Yeah. So that's the reality of it. Look, Patricia, I, I, what we have now as a job of work is to ensure that this never happens again and to ensure that there is security there and it is monitored and that the Gardaí are monitoring it. Six and a half thousand a week isn't sustainable to have a security hub, hub there. But what we have to do is secure it and ensure um, that that we do have it monitored and CCTV and the Gardaí, the Gardaí have to be active as well if, if, if a monitored system is there. I, I suppose really next Monday's meeting in City Hall um, will iron out all those issues. There is a cost, of course. I have requested that the um, that we have a copy of the deeds and a copy of the rules and regulations because I'm not happy with the response that came back from City Hall regarding the duty of care. Um, but Which I basically said what? Well, it's up to individual which, families. Uh, to, yeah, to look after their to look after their grave and to look after their um, their headstone. Um, I would dispute that I'm having looked, I'm having that looked at independently and uh, I'll, I'll be back to you when I have more information so on the that. So counc- the, the council that. really are saying that if you buy a plot in a cemetery, that's your plot? That's your plot, yeah. And you're responsible for any curbing or headstone or whatever you put on it. Now, 
I don't understand uh, how the council can then come along and say, well, your headstone is too high or your curbing is, is too low. or your, That's a good point, yeah, 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 which so, they do. You know, so, exactly. So, you can't be saying you own it and you're responsible for it and then come along and say, take the stone and that's not acceptable. So, you know, there, there, is, a, there is a duty of care there as well that's being neglected. Um, the other thing that I want to say to you is that I have written to both bishops of Cork and I've asked them to um, carry out a blessing of the graves. There's a number of people there that are very upset. I spoke to a, a mother of, of a child um, who's buried out there. And I'll be honest, Patricia, I've done a lot of things in political life and I've gone through, I've heard lots of har- stories of hardship, but I think that's something that'll live with me for, for the rest of my life. Um, this woman's pain and upset. And uh, Was this someone out whose grave wasn't even oh, damaged? No, no, whose grave was damaged. Oh, was damaged, OK. And, uh, and you know, this this poor old lady was distraught and she said to me, she said, Kenneth, look like, it feels like I'm burying him all over again. God help her. And, God you know, help her. Patricia, honestly, I think it's the most heartbreaking story or a heartbreaking thing in 12 years of serving on council that I've ever heard. And I've met a lot of people in, uh, in the last 12 years, I can tell you, in public life. And, and my father before me for 25 years, it was the most heartbreaking story I've heard. But look... But you could you know, hear, I'm, I'm, when I spoke to you last week, it was after speaking with Paddy O'Brien. And Paddy O'Brien is the man who has seen it all and done it all in, in his life. And even chatting with Paddy and his wife's grave wasn't even damaged. But you could hear the upset and suddenly the graveyard wasn't that place of peace. And, you know, as he left the graveyard, he was leaving his, he felt like, it almost felt like he was leaving his beloved wife behind him. Yeah. You you know, um, and you you leave, we have to leave them behind at graveyards, but you want to think that they're at peace. And a a number of people have said to me, my child can't rest, my husband can't rest, my wife can't rest. And that's I can why, understand that's that. Why, I absolutely can understand that. And that's why I've written to both. Okay, uh, the building, the building of a wall around the entire perimeter of the well, cemetery. Is, I can see is, a lot of people are suggesting that there is three walls there at the moment. Uh, the front and the two side walls, the back wall, if we're to build it, we got a cost of that last night for a verbal report on that, and it looks like two hundred thousand euros. That's okay. what it's looking at, uh, um, and that's a big chunk of the park's budget. You know, so yeah. we're going to have to address that, and we're going to have to look of look at if we can afford to do it, and what do we cut, and what do we not do, um, and that's the reality of it. You know, as you have to pay for one thing, it's a bit like when you go into your house, Patricia, and you say, "Look, I need a new kitchen." We say, "Well, you know, there's no there's no new three piece and no new television this year." You know, um, yeah, you have to you cut know, your cloth to your you measure. Have to cut your cloth to your measure, and you okay. have to and fundraising, Ken, for the families, because we spoke. I mean, you were kicking this off last well, week with I, a five hundred euro well, we, contribution. We, I kicked it off with five hundred euros, and an awful lot of the other politicians have come along as well. I'm hoping that city council, uh, the whole, the most of city council has committed to giving uh, members have committed to giving five hundred euros as well um, so that should bring us up to the 15,000 mark I believe the estimate is coming in anywhere between uh, 16,000 to 19,000 to repair all these um, headstones but I think the most important thing look money can be found for these things and people in Cork are extremely giving and, and kind about and donating uh, Cork people are amazing when it comes to uh, helping out one another but the, the big job that's ahead for me and for my colleagues on the City Council and the management of the City Council is ensuring that this never happens again. Okay, so we we have this meeting next week, week with the 
the special meeting next week between the councillors, uh, the guardie, the councillors, the guardie, the management city council, and the committee that okay. performs. And and that, and, that, and no doubt we'll, we we will chat again uh, to you with a further yeah. update. In the meantime, Ken, thank you for that. God bless, Patricia. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is Cork City Councillor Ken O'Flynn. Now I'm going to take a quick break, and then we, when we come back, we're going to hear from some of the people on that action group who were at the meeting last night just to get their reaction to what was said at the City Council meeting that's after these. Court Today on C103 With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street, Mallow Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas Lowcostfuel.ie Join Martina O'Donoghue weekdays from four on C103. The best in music, the up-to-date traffic and all the latest entertainment news. Drive time on C103 with Kellers of McCroom. The place to order your new Ford car or commercial vehicle for 2020. See kellersofmacroom.ie. Our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran spoke to members of the Kilcully Cemetery Action Group following that City Council meeting last night. Lark. I thought we were going to leave with the answer that the CTV was going to be fitted when I heard 6,500 a week for security to stay there. Um, if they added three weeks to that, the CTV would be well and truly built in. Um, disappointed that they're denied that there was antisocial behaviour out there when there is, clearly is. We're hoping next that the councillors are absolutely fantastic, honestly, Kenneth Flynn. Thomas Gould and Tony Fitzgerald, they're brilliant. All the lads, we're just hoping next Monday we'll get a step further to securing the graveyard. So you are hopeful after tonight? <sighs> what can I say? At the, as she said, the security's only there now for another week. So if it doesn't continue next week, then we're back to square one. We've no rest. We're not sure what, what the next step is until the CTV is put in. Like We're not going to rest until it's in. The councillors have all committed to making a contribution uh, from their ward funds towards your, your Facebook page and your GoFundMe page. Um, what was your reaction to that? Uh, absolutely fantastic. Delighted. Um, Cork City are very, they're very good for supporting things like that. Disappointed that the council didn't step in and help a bit and didn't but very delighted with the councillors. Oh, every single one of them are very grateful. And I'm sure the families directly affected to it are very grateful for it. It's Cecilia Walters. I think it was grandstanding. I think it was window dressing. And that's about as much as you could describe that activity as. On one hand, they're coming out, they're terribly sympathetic, they're terribly empathetic. However, then it's all dismissed at the very end because we don't have funding, we're self-insured, we're the only council that's self-insured. Unlike... Dublin Council, Galway Council, all falling under a broad insurance policy. Cork is treated slightly differently. So whilst there's an obligation by their own bylaws that they have to have insurance, they're taking the minimal amount of insurance. And they can't understand why people are disappointed in that. We don't have money. That's going to cost 200000 That's not in question. And the fact that she would actually insult the victims by saying we can pay for one more week of, of security. So uh, are you afraid that after next week that the graves up in Kilcully are going to be completely unsecured Absolutely. and that something like this will happen Absolutely. again? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm not sure if you picked up on the coverage on Saturday, but there was a lady who alleged that her grave was actually desecrated after 24-hour security. Oh, I use security in lower term. I don't think they're a private firm. As I said before, they're, they're council employees who are possibly putting in a bit of overtime. And that's as much. That's your lot. So they're absolutely, absolutely leaving those people vulnerable completely all over again. 
She also said that there isn't a problem with antisocial behaviour yes. and with vandalism in graveyards here in yeah. Cork. And that got quite a loud roar from people, a negative roar from people. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's a self-answering question. It's rhetorical. Anybody who took a photograph of the desecration of those graves and then to go on and at the same time claim that there isn't a problem with antisocial behaviour in light of the fact and parallel to the fact that there is a Garda investigation, which is it? Why are the Garda investigations thinking if there is an antisocial behaviour? You can't have it both ways, with respect. It, it, it's insulting to everybody's intelligence in that room. And moreover, her own councillors acknowledge the fact that there's an antisocial behaviour issue, not only in that graveyard, in all graveyards. OK, thanks to Fiona Corcoran, our news reporter who attended that meeting last night and spoke with the members of the Kilcully Cemetery Action Group. We will have a follow-up on this when they have their meeting next Monday, so it's probably this day next week. We'll be coming back to the issue uh, as well. And Billy Abandon said, this is on the issue that came up last night uh, by the Director of Services at Cork City Council who confirmed that when a person buys a right of burial in a cemetery, they buy that plot and it becomes the private property of that individual. So therefore, as the private property, as the owner of that plot, the person then is responsible for the maintenance and the provision of the headstone and the ground directly above the grave with the council responsible for tending the graveyard as an entity and also for security but the actual plot itself. So it's the council sort of getting out of paying to replace the headstones etc. Billy and Banda says when you buy a grave and a grave plot it's your property and you can't do what you like with it but you don't buy the plot what you buy are the burial rights for the plot of ground you never own the plot as far as I'm aware says Billy that's the way it operates in most graveyards maybe it's different in the city because this is one of the executives of Cork County Council saying that when a person buys the right of burial in a cemetery she's saying they buy the plot and it becomes the private property of that individual but I think Kenneth Flynn is a good point if that's be the case and it is your private property then surely you should be allowed to put whatever you like on your private property, which isn't the case. There are some strict rules and regulations about the height for obvious reasons. Um, uh, I agree as to why they do that. But um, but if it's, if it's private, they can't have it one way and then make up their own rules on the other side. You know, it's like it's almost like speaking out of both sides of their mouth, isn't it? Anyway, we'll get further clarification on that as well. Let's take a break and we head towards news at 11. Cork Today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and get all the latest Cork news on your phone, tablet, smart speaker and radio. Turn up the volume. We are C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As you've possibly heard on the news, it is looking like the general election now is going to be on the 8th of February. The Taoiseach is expected to ask the President, Michael De Higgins, to dissolve the doll. He'll do that later today and it will mark the beginning of a general election campaign with voters set to go to the polls on Saturday the 8th of February. And Leo Varadkar said he hit a date and he said everyone was assuming it was going to be Friday because we've traditionally gone to the polls for the last number of elections on a Friday. Saturday will suit a lot of people better because people who are work away from home Monday to Friday or students who are away from home Monday to Friday 
they will be back normally, you know, back to their homes on the weekend where they will be able to, where their vote may be registered. But on where your vote is registered, somebody, Anne, has pointed out, Hi Patricia, looking like the general election will be February the 8th. What will happen with the draft register? The draft register is not due to be published until February the 15th. This will stop some people being able to vote, which is simply wrong, says Anne. And Anne is right. And I've taken a look at, you know, you could go on to check the register to see if you are on the register and for people who are not registered if it's changed address or whatever we've been encouraging people you know to make sure that you've you're registered to vote and the register for electors for 2019 2020 is currently showing it comes into force on the 15th of February now I don't know um, can they get around that can they bring out a supplementary register We'll see if we can check with, isn't it, Cork County Council is responsible for that. Let's leave that with us and just see, can anything be done? But as of now, anyone who has registered to vote, to get onto the register of, of electors who have done it recently, they won't be able to vote, which does seem pretty un, pretty unfair because we've been talking about a general election, which is probably being encouraging people who are not registered to vote to put their name onto that register thinking that they'd be there in plenty of time now only to discover they'll miss out by about a week which does seem unfair we'll see if we can get clarification could they bring forward I don't know the legalities and the ins and outs of how that works but could it come into force earlier because an election has been called. We'll see if we can uh, check that one out. Okay, some of your thoughts coming in on the whole thing about the vandalism in Kilcully Cemetery. Still getting a lot of calls in about that. And in particular about the comments that were made by members of the executive of Cork City Council confirming that when a person buys a right of burial in a cemetery, they buy the plot and it becomes their private property. A number of people are picking up on that. Tim says, people buying a plot, if it is their property, should therefore they not be able to do what they like? For example, build a small shed on it until there's a burial. But you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. The city council is responsible for the paths. If the vandalism originates from the paths and from lack of protection, then surely the council has to have some sort of a responsibility and and pay towards the cost of replacing the headstones that have been damaged, which is technically what the council are trying to get out of doing. They're saying it's not their, their responsibility. Plots belong to the people who bought the plots. And anything on the plot, i.e. the headstone, if it gets damaged, it's your own responsibility and you can't expect the council to to pay for it instead. And a Douglas listener actually just on this whole point says uh, Patricia when my husband died which is now over 20 years ago I bought four plots in St Oliver's graveyard but none of my family want them so I have three spare graves says a Douglas listener and I suppose is wondering what does she do with the three spare graves I wonder can you get back onto the council would they buy them back from you I don't know St Oliver's cemetery so I don't know is it very full because certainly a lot of graveyards around the county, I'm assuming it's the same in the city, are full, are near to being full. And people would be would love to buy plots if they could get their hands on them, particularly on graveyards where maybe they have family members buried. So I would suggest to that Douglas listener, you contact the council. I don't know, was it the city council? I assume that you bought the plots from and see, they might be interested in buying them back and you might get your money back 
on them. John in Charleville says, uh, Patricia, all this antisocial behaviour, and, and I'm just aghast at antisocial behaviour in cemeteries. I just can't understand it. I know I have a piece I'll hopefully get to later on in the programme of antisocial behaviour at some churches up the country. I just I can't understand why anyone, I mean, antisocial behaviour anyway is wrong. It's just wrong and vandalism is wrong. But why you target a church and why you would target a graveyard and why you'd go into a graveyard to have a party and bring in a getter blaster and bring in slabs of beer and let horses run loose in a graveyard. I just, you know, maybe I'm coming from, these people are coming from a different planet to me. I just, I can't understand it. I can't get it into my head. I can't, I have no understanding of it. And, you know, I understand, weirdly enough, young people that do bush drinking and that young people who gather and they get drink Sometimes they're underage, sometimes they're of age, they're 18, they're entitled to get the drink and they'll meet somewhere and, you know, somewhere abandoned or they'll go out into a field or somewhere and they'll meet and they'll have their drinks and and previous generations have done that and and I'm assuming future generations will continue to do it. So I kind of have an understanding of that. But why you would deliberately say to your friends... I'll meet you in the cemetery at eight o'clock and don't forget to bring the slab of beer with you and sure I'll bring the ghetto blaster and we'll have a bit of a party in a graveyard. I just just doesn't register on my psyche at all. Uh, John says all of this antisocial behaviour is coming from the those council housing estates that we the taxpayers are paying for. They have plenty of time to be doing nothing, no mortgage to pay pay back. I'd let the lot of them go hungry and then they'd work. And then there'd be plenty of jobs in fast food outlets, says John in Charleville. Who's oh, John? Can I just say that's very judgmental of you? How can you say that everyone that lives in a council housing estate is involved in antisocial behaviour? There's lots of hard working, very decent people who go out to work every single day of the week and who happen to live in a council housing estate. So you can't say all of the antisocial behaviour is coming from people in council housing estates. That's not to say that some of the people involved live in a council housing estate, but they equally could be living in houses that has a mortgage or a private housing estate as well. And another John says, Patricia, what is wrong with this country and the way we waste money? How does it cost €6,500 a, a, a week for security? I did question Ken O'Flynn on that and he says that is the going rate. Also, you mentioned it, or Ken O'Flynn mentioned it would be 200000 to build a wall, a perimeter wall around the entire cemetery. So that amount of money would build a house. Why not take three people off the dole and give them a job doing the security at Kidcolly Cemetery? Put them on three eight-hour shifts and give them a good wage. Pay them €1,000 a week. The bill would be halved instantly. It would be three, and then the three euro a week, you could get some builder to build the wall for you. Uh, Failing that, get people on a false scheme to go out and build it simple. Well, community employment schemes get people building the walls. There are other ways. I suppose John is saying, think outside the box. There's other ways of having the security and there are other ways to build that particular wall. Even though I think the 200,000 figure, sure I saw Thomas Gould talk about this on, on the programme. Um, saw him mention this on the paper today. I think the 200,000 had a lot to do with that they would need to buy in order to build the wall around uh, the cemetery they'd have to buy land as well as it isn't as simple as just going out and building the wall I think you know but then some will say they'll come up with every reason under the sun not uh, to do it 1850 some of your whatsapps in on this 
the council says this texture should put back the caretaker into the graveyards. Years ago, they used to have full-time caretakers. They would have more than one in every cemetery. Nobody went next or near the graves. I just heard some. I just heard you say about the plot that if you buy a plot in the morning that it belongs to you. Does that mean I can do what I want with it? No, we see it doesn't, and that's the that's the problem, and that's what. Councillor Kenneth Flynn wants to raise that if the councillor is saying in one breath that if you buy the plot, the plot is yours, it's your private property, they can't therefore, if that be the case, surely then they can't dictate what you put on it. And we do know in cemeteries right across the city and county there are quite strict regulations about the height because sometimes some people in grief want to build really very high, very ornate headstones which can kind of overshadow graves that are on either side of the person that's buried there and that can be unfair on other families you know who want to go in and you know pay their respects to their loved ones and they feel that they're overshadowed by somebody putting in ginormous headstones so therefore there are quite strict rules and regulations in some cemeteries not all cemeteries but the point being if the councillor is saying that that is your private property then surely yeah a lot of people are saying that surely you should be able to do what you want with it and that of course is not the case Morning Patricia pay the cemetery to be vandal free and when the ones that perpetrated the act acts with their costs they should be forced to pay for the repairs and be forced to pay for the cost of keeping the graves safe uh, Heidi also said uh, Patricia look how much people pay for graves and funerals and then to have them destroyed by these stupid people it simply is not fair and Patricia's solution to the vandalism at our graveyards could be solved by erecting security fences and issuing interesting interested parties obviously people who've got loved ones buried there with a code number that would allow them to access the gates and allow them entry into the graveyard at all times there would be an initial cost to cover these security fences and gates but surely it would help to deter the vandals and anything that can be done to help deter the vandals surely that is what we need to be talking about 1850 can I just go to some of the calls that have come in today I want to say well done to Mary Corkery and Nicholas Corkery from Drumaham who organised a walk slash run on St Stephen's Day they raised 1,700 euro terrific sum of money for the Charleville Suicide Awareness Group this is going to go Margaret has been in contact Texas Margaret Callan of the Charleville Suicide Awareness Group. She says that money will go a long way to providing the benches and the trees and the ones that they've been planting in the area. And she now says if anybody has an area where they would like one of these suicide awareness benches and trees to be planted, to let her know because they don't have money. She'd like to get working on spending that uh, money. We have all of her details here. And she also wants us to point out that they have a counsellor available free of charge in the Charleville area if somebody needs to talk to a counsellor if somebody is having suicidal thoughts thank you for that and well done to Mary and to Nicholas Corker that it was a terrific sum of money and to everyone who took part on that walk run on St Stephen's Day 1850 there's a little scam doing the rounds that we want to talk about it is called the Little Club and it's on Facebook Little are working with Facebook to try to have it removed but Little have been on to say it is absolutely nothing to do with them and they're asking people to please not engage with with it at all that's the Little Club nothing to do with Little please get rid of it thank you to Councillor Paul Hayes who's contacted the programme to say people can still get on the register 14 days before polling by downloading the form by check the register 
oh, okay. So once you fill in the form, even though it comes into force on the 15th of February, okay, I didn't, I didn't realise that. Okay, councillor, I'm, I'm assuming as a councillor, he knows what he's talking about. Councillor Paul Hayes says it's okay. Once, you're, once you have filled in everything necessary, by going on check the register fill in the form and once you've done that 14 days before polling day so now you really do if you haven't got your name on the register you really do need to get working on that because it will be later today uh, we'll officially hear that the election has been called for the 8th of February John Paul taking your calls 1850 333103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs with Hewitt-College now enrolling for full-time 5th and 6th year and repeat leaving cert programs your success is built on their experience an experienced plaster is wanted to work on a housing project. Now you need to have your own tools and a safe pass. And Delforno Tiles and Timber, they're hiring experienced showroom salesperson. It's for their Cork and Dublin stores. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Low cost fuel this is the Court Today replay on C103. Court Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now, the group of farmers who held tractor protests in Dublin, remember that prior to Christmas? Well, they're heading back to the city centre again tomorrow. And one of those who intends to travel is Dermot Hennebury, who is a farmer from Ballylanders. Good morning to you, Dermot. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. Are you under the banner of any farming organisation or are you all just individual farmers? We're all just individual farmers that got together. No, no, no group and don't stop in any, any group. So we're just we're fighting for ourselves, if you know what I mean. And has the price paid to be farmers, has it increased at all? Very little. <clears throat> we got five cents for Christmas, but there's nothing has come since. And uh, the price of, of beef has gone up in, in the UK and, in, in, and all over, and we are still left behind. So there's nothing. We have no incentive got to, to not to go to Dublin, you know what I mean? And the farmers in the UK, they get paid more, don't they, than... than what they our... do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're, they're well ahead of us at the minute. We're, we're usually kind of not far away from them, but we're a long way away. Like, like a lot of our, our, our beef's going to the UK, so... And then we like go back a few months ago. We were told it's all about Brexit, and yeah. fair enough, yeah. might have been, but sure, like it's an excuse after an excuse after an excuse, and family just can't afford to take the heat anymore. Yeah, because only last week somebody was giving an example of how much the beef was inside in the supermarket. I was making the point: the difference between that and what a farmer gets. It's everybody well, what, in the middle. Yeah, well, what most people don't understand: like if you go into a shop and buy a bit of beef, if you convert all that beef to a kilo, like we get paid per kilo. So we get we're getting about three fifty at the minute, three fifty five, maybe three sixty here and there. If you convert a, a kilo of beef inside in, inside in the supermarket, it, it starts at about twenty euro a kilo, so about twenty seven or eight euro a kilo. 
Yeah, we had we had somebody last week who used yeah. the example. I think it was nearly thirty euro a kilo yeah. was what the person would have been paying inside in the supermarket. And I, I know someone in England that give thirty six pound for a kilo of beef over in London. Like, so that's and that's that's Irish beef going to London. Like that's that's an awful difference. Like, you know, like we're not looking for a lot. We're just looking to uh, over the cost of production that we can survive. You know, and it looks like a lot of people won't survive the way it's going. Dermot, have you any faith in the beef task force? Look, uh, the first beef test course was a talking shop. The second was a talking shop. But a, f- a few things came out of the left and the right. Um, like there's a couple of things we want to go on, and that's the four movement rule, which cattle can only move four times. And then when you go to the factory, if you if they're moved over four times, you lose the bonus. Uh, the thirty month rule in is is, is um, that cattle have you have to kind of rush cattle to get them finished for thirty months. You have to feed them up, which is an extra cost. And then if you go over thirty months, you get less for them. So like. If that 30 month rule is gone, like give cattle another month or two out in grass, which would be better for the environment, less carbon emission. Like cattle that are fed, the slurry is a lot more, is more gassy than, than ordinary grass. So, like, that would make an awful difference. And then at the end of the day, then there's a thing called a resin, the resin, 60 day resin here. Around. So, that animal at the end of the day has to, whoever finishes that animal, has to either send it to the, to the factory, he can't sell it in, in the mart, because if you sell it in the mart, if an army farmer buys that animal, he has to keep it at home for 60 days, which is killing competition at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? That's the most important thing of all. Yeah, it's all, it's, it's, it's all the rules and regulations, isn't it? I mean, the, the 30-month rule is the one that, uh, it's, if that really gets to me. I mean, if I go in to buy some steak, some beef, yeah. I, sure, I don't know the difference if it was 30 you've months. Never seen a, you, you, no. you've, never, you've never seen a packet that this beef is over 30 months. Absolutely like, not. And in, in the scheme of things, yeah. what difference would a 30 months and a 32 months? Well, yes, there's none of difference. There's none, none of difference. The 30 month rule is brought in for BSD going back 20 years ago. And the department could, could flick a switch in tomorrow morning and get rid of that rule. But it's all in favour of, of the meat factors. That is the problem, right? Is, that, is that rule in, in the United Kingdom? I don't know that now. I, I okay. Didn't, I wouldn't, all right. Uh, uh, okay. Um, yeah. the, okay, what is the plan for tomorrow? Well, the plan is tomorrow. We gave in a, a statement to the, to the minister on the, on the 26th of November, like, and basically the only thing that has come off that is all the things that we are talking about. And like, the carbon tax in is, is, is another thing that's coming in. And it is in at a minute, but people kind of don't know that, which is going to jump. It's going to be, it's a serious issue, like, in, in, in the next couple of years. And that's, the farmer is getting the blame for all this, like, this, this, I don't know why the farmer has to get the blame for all this, like, it's crazy, carbon, carbon emission tax, like. So, so you you, we, t- you were you were there on the twenty sixth. We're there on the twenty sixth, and maybe the twenty seventh, and maybe be with it. And we won results. So I mean, last time we went to Dublin, we got the we got the injunction lifted, and the task force up and running. Now the task force has to do more. Do you know They have to like there's no if we got some incentive off the last task force, but we have got not. You know, and like cattle, cattle, uh, cattle are scarce under the factory now. The factories are still mad looking for cattle. And they just won't pay the money. It's just so our farmers know. holding back. They're not holding back, no. Because like, no. Look, you've cattle finished, you have to go. Like now, yeah, we're, yeah. Well, that thirty-month rule is kind of tying your hands as well. That's it, like, and that is in favour, like. And then there's talks of that the factories know how many cattle are in the country and how many that are coming to thirty months and when they're going to be killed, and like that's all. They can all base their pricing around that. They shouldn't have that information. So well. Really like, no, well, it's, it's play. Dark. It's everything. All the cards are stacked yeah. on their side, aren't they? Yeah. Do, have we you have any? Have you any idea how many tractors will turn up tomorrow? I'd say five or six hundred. 
There's a lot. There's a lot going. Maybe more. How many were there in November? Uh, about 150. And we closed a lot of streets in Dublin. And like, there's an awful lot of tracks going tomorrow. There's a lot of people going tomorrow. I mean, we're expecting a big crowd tomorrow. You'll bring so Dublin to a standstill. Well, we did. Like, listen to us then. We don't want to be going to Dublin. That's the truth. Like, we have, we're all busy families. We've nothing to do no home. We don't need to be going to Dublin. But we need to pay someone to do our job, go to Dublin. Like, or it's not. Beef, the price of beef is a rural island, if you know what I mean. Like, all people, anyone that has beef, is, that, that money goes back into rural Ireland. They don't go to Dublin to spend their money when they make money on the cattle. It's going back in. The, and it's the very same as the dairy farming. Like, in, like cold cows are down, calves are priced, calf welfare is a big issue this year. And like if calves, if if the top, if it's wrong with the top, the calves at the bottom are going to be wrong. So to the to the big issue, I mean, and to, to the rural island is fighting back basically. Back in November, Minister Michael Creed said blocking city traffic only alienates urban dwellers. Are you afraid of alienating Dublin people? Which look, it, it makes no difference to us. We've nothing to lose. We are at rock bottom. That's so look. If he if he said that last November, he should turn around and got the factories put up the price of meat five or ten cents more. They've given us nothing. He has done nothing. He has been the worst minister that was ever for a country. He's done absolutely nothing. He's a, he's. I was in Dublin in the morning. He came out at twenty past seven, and slooped down along by the, the the wall of the Shelburne Hotel. Because so actually, the guys didn't even know he was coming out. That's the way he done it. So the photo shoot, and that's what it's on. So then the news within five minutes, news talk heads on. So it's only to keep people outside of Dublin happy. That's what it was. That didn't know. Well, he came out and he said, uh, met, the, "Met the protesters, got the letter, and the protesters still won't go home." Like if he had any business, he wouldn't meet us on the Tuesday under no circumstances. Wouldn't meet. And you've probably, you've probably just heard they're calling an election for for February. I mean, the the doll is going to be dissolved uh, later on today. My, Leo Radker is going to go to Michael D Higgins to dissolve the doll. I, I'm wondering, is your timing? You won't well, have a minute. Dub- they're still in Dublin tomorrow because well, they are. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're sending me you uh, Leo coming to Dublin. Yeah, tomorrow. yeah, yeah. Well, is, that you, I, is that why you? Is that why you've picked tomorrow? Well, we picked, we picked it. We were in November, in the 26th of November, we went up. We said we'd be back the 15th of December. Now, we didn't go to Dublin the 15th of December for the respective people of Dublin because they were very nice to us in November. But we did other things. We got on to all the, the multinationals to get them around the table, and they wouldn't come. They weren't going to Willen. So we were going to pick them all over Christmas. But then, one by one, as we were going to pick them, they said they'd go to the talks. Yeah? So we said we'd be back the 15th of January because the doll is only back this week. There's no point going to Dublin if the doll wasn't there. So, like, I've only two things to say about uh, Fine Gael and to say, good luck. That's what it is. They have Royal So, Ireland will you night. be on the road early tomorrow? Oh, we will, yeah. It'll be 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning after Dublin we go. So. But, like, you're, you're, you're telling Dublin in advance you're coming. You're not keeping it oh, quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're not keeping it quiet. Like, could, we, anything, we could anything be said today, Dermot, that would stop the protest tomorrow? No, because... If the price of beef went up tomorrow morning by 30 cents, in three months' time they could turn around and bring it back down to where we are. We need things changed. I mean, we need we need a future. Like this is 30 years in the making. This is this is not just made over the last two years. Everything like we bored beer there. Like we any farm has got through an, an audit and an inspection. We've answered 250 questions and got through something. Like there are 42 loads of meat coming from Poland. They are time to strike. And Borby, I ran up to the up to the north and passed three factories overnight. If I rang them today to get passed overnight, I'd have to wait for two weeks. Are you with me? So that's 
that all played into, into the factory's hands. All them things have to change. Four beer was set up to promote Irish beef and grass-fed animals. Yeah. yeah? Grass-fed. Yeah. Grass-fed isn't coming out of a feedlot. They have uh, top of 14,000 cattle belong to a, um, a factory a factory owner. That's not grass-fed. That's different. They are different cattle altogether. Like, and that's, they're not, they're not, poor beer are not with the farmer. Completely against the farmer. It's crazy what's going on. Have you have you ever seen farmers so angry, Dermot? Never, never. It is yeah. like, look, I've I've young I've young for myself and he won't be farming. I won't let him do I would let him go to the door. You have no if you don't want to make money or something, it's not our job to feed the country for nothing. You know what I mean? It's, you have to make a living on it. And like we work seven days a week, twenty four seven. You might be working twelve or fourteen hours every day, but you do you do twelve or fourteen hours five days a week, maybe six days a week. You know what I mean? And like you can't you have to have a ton for that. You know, Someone by text says, well done to the farmers. Keep up the good work. Farmers do a lot of work and keep the country going. Uh, this is not fair on farmers, i.e. the beef price. I won't be voting until the farmers get looked after first, uh, says yeah. this uh, texter. And actually, yesterday I thought about, and I, I, I don't know whether I got a chance to mention it or not, but I, it certainly was uh, it was in my thoughts to mention it uh, when we were going through Storm Brendan and there was trees down and we were constantly calling out various roads where trees were being blocked. It was local farmers came out in many cases and moved those trees and... And helped, oh, yeah. you know, helped get cars up and running again and get, you know, getting roads open again. And it was the same during when we had the, the snow and the, you know, the very heavy snows that we had a number of years ago. Only four farmers in rural areas, the whole of rural Ireland would have ground it to a, to a standstill. Well, that's it. Like, and beef is rural Ireland. Like, like some people have a full-time beef farmers. More, more people haven't. And they have a, a job to keep them going. Like, but like, it still all goes back to rural Ireland. Like, rural Ireland is... is, is it's closing down very quickly. That's in my own village. I'm, I'm actually from Galbally, not very land. Oh, sorry. Like, Galbally. Yeah, it's, only, it's only back the road. Like, yeah. Are, small, there, are there many going from from your area? There's a couple of tractors going up and there's a good few, a good few locals going up and down. And you, you'll spend the day up there? But it's about two, probably a five and a five and a half hour drive on a tractor from here to Dublin. So there's a few of the boys going. So you'll block Dublin? You certainly will block, block Dublin. Dublin. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we want, we want, we, things have to change for the future. You know what I mean? It's not, we don't want to use money at all. There's plenty of money in There is loads of money in peace. Don't anyone tell you they're in with like, when the likes of Larry Goodman making 179 million profit, if we got 50, 50, 50 million of that divided in farms in Ireland, we'd be happy. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, the factories can't have it all. It's not just him, it's, it's all the factories. And everything... Okay. Okay, we might uh, if we get a chance, we might have a chat with you tomorrow, uh, Dermot, from the yeah, well, from the protest. Yeah. Well, it is in Dublin tomorrow at two o'clock in Marion Square. Two o'clock, all right. Oh, you'll be yeah, you'll yeah. be travelling. Okay, yeah, uh, we'll yeah. keep an eye out for it anyway, Dermot. Thank you for that. No problem. And uh, thanks. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, Dermot Hennebury, who is a beef farmer from Galbally, one of those farmers heading to Dublin. It'll be interesting to see. He reckons between five hundred and six hundred tractors that will bring Dublin to an absolute. Standstill. Will it make a difference? Will the farmers be listened to? Uh, you know, we've been, how long now have we been talking about the price of beef and listening to farmers talking about the price of, of beef? And yet, as everybody says, whenever we bring it up, when you go in to buy your steak into the butchers, into the supermarkets, the, the price of 
the steak and the price of the beef isn't reducing in any way and yet the farmers seem to be getting less and uh, less. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And just on beef and beef farming, Jerry in from Moy, I'm assuming is a beef uh, farmer. Uh, he says what's happening at the moment is that a lot of the beef farmers are not making money. What they need to do is reduce the national herd by 25% and then the fa- that would wake the factories up and wake the government up. Jerry is a farmer himself. He reduced his own numbers over the years and the knock-on effect is his bills are down, his running costs are down. So by reducing my output, uh, I'm assuming Jerry is making money. Farmers need to follow suit. If farmers are not making money, they need to do something about it. And one way is to reduce their numbers. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Jerry. to 1850 Now, I want to move to a completely different issue because the Atlantic School of English and Active Leisure, which is based in Skull, are looking for host families for international students. To tell us a little bit more, I'm joined by Annette Roberts, who's the host family liaison officer uh, with the Language School. Good morning to you, Annette. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome. Now, before we talk about the host families, tell me a little bit about the school. It's been going and established since 1999, so you're over 20 years in existence. That's right. We're celebrating our 21st birthday this year. Um, yes, it was established in 1999 by Barbara Connelly, um, who's originally from Kildare, a highly qualified English teacher and teacher trainer. Um, she's managed schools abroad and in Ireland and then with her partner Peter McDonnell who's a marine ecologist she um, settled in Skull many years ago and started this company Um, and obviously you know business is is booming and it's all about um, living within the local community and enjoying all the, the lovely leisure facilities that are on our doorstep here and um, yeah, getting English across to um, many, many foreign students and improving their their abilities. So, what, what age group are the students? Well, we have ages from eight, uh, from well, younger than that, some around four years old up to about 84. Um, <laughs> obviously, the younger ones come with their parents. Yeah. Um, but yes, this is this is what we we need is is host families who are happy to either have individual students um, in the teenage years or adult students who may be coming on as as business clients because we we run a full range of English um, courses. Um, but we do have some families that bring their youngsters with them, and we have kiddies camp. We have a junior program, and we also have an adult. Um, so the whole the whole fa- program. the whole family come to learn English. Yeah, we we have many families that that come and um, parents study at the adult school, and they might have little ones in the kiddies camp, and then their teenagers at the junior program. Um, so they make so a ho- it's like a holiday. They make a holiday. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of families do come over and, and make it their holiday. It's a, a beautiful uh, place to come. And how long and would that course run for? Well, we have courses that run for a week um, up to in the summer. The, the students generally come for two to three weeks. Okay. But um, we have families booked in now for a month over the summer. We currently have um, a young. A man from Saudi Arabia who's been with us for 12 weeks or will be with us for 12 weeks um, and he's 
just turned 18, so he's he's been studying with us for that programme over, so the, so over the, Christmas and everything. So. so the schooling isn't limited to the classroom then if you've got families coming? Um, well, the schooling is. Um, we provide... Um, we have but three, the learning of English? The learning of English is, in, is done in the mornings. Yeah. So we have three different sites. We utilise the national school generally for the kiddies camp. We utilise Skull Community College uh, premises for our junior programme. So that would be from, say, 9 to 17, 18-year-olds who are on that programme. And then the adults will come to us. We have classrooms here on Main Street in Skull. At our main offices, we have adult classrooms here. But then you do activities, obviously, where they're continuing to learn English at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. And also the whole point of, of um, host families is to have a totally immersive English language experience um, where the students are interacting with their host families in the evening as well. So we have leisure programmes running in the afternoons, the English classes in the mornings, leisure programmes in the afternoons, and then um, they're at home with their host families in the evenings. And um, although we do we provide a Saturday excursion as well for all the, um, the younger students, um, but then Sunday is a family day with hosts. So, And what countries, Inesh, uh, do they typically come from? Well, typically... Um, more sort of local European countries, but we've last year we had 26 different nationalities <laughs> coming through, coming across to us, um, and the furthest I think we had last year was from Japan. Um, however, mainly um, France, Spain, Italy, Germany, um, in the main. That's incredible. The imagine great. Imagine great. We have students from Russia and all over the place. Yeah. Oh, Whatever. Right in saying, great friendships are formed. This is it, yeah. We've found that a lot of our host families actually build friendships even with, with parents and so on and, and we have um, students who come back year on year um, improving their, their English and we've even had some children of previous students now coming through. <laughs> so they keep sending the, 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 the little ones back and they, they build and, and form lovely friendships as well as the, any children that are in the host families um, often, you know, form great lifelong friendships with some of the young people that come to them. So while you're running courses all year round, I assume your busiest periods are Christmas and our, our summertime and Easter? Do That's you, right, yeah. yes. We, we do get a lot of bookings in for the Easter um, fortnight and then we run um, our summer programme, usually starts around the second or the last week, second to last or last week in June, right through to the end of August. And that's where we get the majority of teenage students coming through um, and in, in the main travelling on their own. But obviously we do have plenty of families come through with them as well. Um, and then we are an all year round company. Um, we have a lot of um, executive clients who come to us um, to learn a business language courses to, to um, participate in those. And so we can do anything from online courses right through to top um, business English language courses. So, yeah. Well done. Well done. The fact you're heading into your 21st year, you're obviously very successful, which is, which is terrific. How close to Skull would a host family need to live? This is it. Now, we, we do have um, some hosts we've got round the Ballet de Hob, from Ballet de Hob round to Tormor. It's not necessarily how close. We, obviously, we would like to build um, 
you know, build our, our host database as such um, as near to skull as possible because that's what our students would like. But we we have many hosts in Balladehob and right down to Castle Point, Tormor. Um, but it's more the fact that can the hosts accommodate the students' needs? We would ask that they are able to bring them into skull for the program to drop in them the morning off for and to collect yeah, yeah. them in the afternoons. And you would, you would, if it was teenagers, would you be required to take more than one student? The the maximum um, on our guidelines for um, students on their own is three per household. Okay. Um, but then when it comes to families, because the parents are there, then we can. It just depends how many can be accommodated by one host. Okay. Um, so the numbers can be increased, and um, obviously. Um, you know, we're looking for all sorts of hosts to come on board. So if you can only take one or two, that's absolutely fine. But if you could accommodate a family of six, um, that that's brilliant as well. Come on board. A lot, of, a lot of the families really do want to have that interaction with Irish, you know, the English speakers, mm. um, rather than stay in um, the apartments or what okay. have you, or just do, right. you know, purely self-catering. So how can we contact you, Annette? Right. Well, the the initial contact by email would be info at atlantic-english.com. We have a website, which is www.atlantic-english.com, where you can get an awful lot more information regarding host families and what what they offer. If you click on the location tabs or the where to stay tabs on our website, um, hosts could, uh, potential hosts could, could, uh, see what we're all about a little bit more and what, what the expectations are from host families. Um, and then we have a Facebook page, Atlantic School of English and Active Leisure on Facebook. So feel free to have a look there as well. Okay. All right. Listen, continue. Good luck uh, with the school. And thanks a million for joining Can us. Can I on... just say one more thing? Yes. That it's, it, it is um, something where you would receive um, payment for the bed and board and so on and so forth. Oh, so yeah. it's not it's not just that you'd have to do it out of the goodness of your heart. Uh, yeah, well, I assumed that at the start. <laughs> so, but I just wanted to mention that, okay, that it can actually right. be, you know, something which is, is quite lucrative yeah, yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. Okay, listen, Annette, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. Uh, Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Annette Roberts, who is the host family liaison officer with the Atlantic School of English and Active Leisure, which is based in Scotland. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. An election looming and expected now to be on Saturday, the 8th of February. John says, good news to see the end of this election day. The government gave us property tax and a lot more bills, says John. Very disillusioned with the current uh, government. So he is glad to see an election has been called. And actually, a lot of the papers this morning were all speculating it was expected that if today, if not tomorrow, uh, when Leo Varadkar would announce, because he had said at the weekend he had a date in his head as to when the next election and, and he was keeping that very much to himself but everybody was gearing up for uh, an election so a lot of the papers today you know talking about Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil sparring as the election is, is imminent but Eilisha Regan in the Irish Independent today I thought has written a very clever piece where she is taking a look at health and the Department of Health and people who have been minister 
for health. And she does a very good comparison because you have both Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are both, you know, damning each other and they will particularly damn each other over the health portfolio. You didn't do this, you didn't do that. When you were in power, you didn't do this. So she does a comparison between the two because we're in an unusual position in that both the leaders, i.e. Micheál Martin and Leo Varadkar, both at one time served as health ministers. So they both, in a way, kind of have their own authority because they've both been in the job. So they are able to say what it is like to be Minister for Health. Micheál Martin, you will remember, was the Minister for Health from 2000 to 2004 and then Leo Varadkar, shorter time period. He was there from mid-2014 until May of 2016. And as Eilish Regan writes, both faced the usual mix of scandal and firefighting and patient waiting list delays. So to give you the highs and the lows from both. For Micheál Martin, well, he was highly visible, you will remember, as Minister for Health from 2000 to 2004, I suppose one of the main reasons being that he introduced the smoking ban in 2004, which still ranks as one of the most far-reaching public health measures. And it is something I think Micheál Martin will be forever remembered by. He launched the first primary care strategy that was aimed at having one-stop shops with GPs and other services in the community. He also promoted the health plan to improve heart and stroke care. And he became known as Minister for Reports and oversaw the lead up to the start of which was the flawed HSC uh, where nobody lost their jobs. That was when the t- that was being the transfer over from the health boards uh, to the HSE, and that became one of the big uh, talking uh, points at the time that we had this. We'd been talking at the time with the health boards that we had too many chiefs and not enough Indians. So there was this big lead in to the HSE, and it was going to be this new model for health care. And then it came in and nobody lost their jobs. And if anything, there was extra layers of bureaucracy to put in place. And that was one of the big criticisms then when the HSC went. So, OK, that's the highs and the lows for Micheál Martin. Leo Varadkar then, as I mentioned, his time in health was shorter. He sorted the controversy over discretionary medical cards and extended free GP cares to under six but he abandoned what was much spoken about at the time, Fine Gael's policy of universal health insurance. He kept expectations low. He said no patient would be on a waiting list for longer than 18 months. But this never happened. And unfortunately, the queues have escalated since. I think if you ask some people that are on waiting lists, if they were going to be on the waiting list for 18 months, they'd take that rather than being on it for many years, as is happening at the moment. And then the two intervening ministers, if we were to have a quiz, who were they? Mary Harney. She was in the Fianna Fáil government. She actually took over from Micheál Martin. She did a pretty long stint. She was there from 2004 until 2011. And then James Riley, God, he was much hated at the time. He was there from 2011 until 2014. Now, Mary Harney forged ahead. She closed unsafe cancer services in regional hospitals. She set up centres of excellence. She also introduced, she's the Fair Deal nursing home scheme. But her co-located hospital plan, that ran aground. James Riley then, who was himself a long-time GP, he again was another Minister for Health that promised universal health insurance scheme, which wasted time and unfortunately that never came to pass. And I remember having James Riley here in the studio with me when he wasn't Minister for Health, but he was talking about as a GP if he became a Minister for Health. And I remember thinking, like he had it all 
he made a lot of sense, I remember that day, what he had to say. And I'm thinking he could make a good minister for that. And then he got in there and unfortunately it didn't come to pass. But isn't that a lot of them go in with the right intentions and the best dreams and wishes and plans and whatever it is, they get into power and they get in as minister and then suddenly they're faced with all of these civil servants and God knows it's the civil servants really are the ones who run the country. And then if you want to, and she does a quick summary then of the current minister who's Simon Harris. He did well on social issues such as the abortion referendum. He got that through. He survived the survival check scandal which I think other ministers may have fallen on that sort but he didn't. And while the growing and ageing population are big factors in the trolley crisis and the waiting list, he must concede there has been missed opportunities and then she talks about who will be the next one. She is suggesting that it isn't a job for a cautious TD in early or mid-career. She suggests it needs to be a wily and brave veteran who wants a legacy. Only time will tell. As I say, it's just a very good piece uh, in today's Irish Independent. Okay, back to some of your thoughts and comments on the programme today. We were talking about the beef and the beef farmers and we were talking with uh, Dermot Hennebury, who is from Galbally and he's one of the farmers who's taking getting into his tractor early tomorrow morning and he's going to drive to Dublin. What do you say? Five to six hours to get him up to Dublin and two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. They're, they're hoping, time will tell, between five and six hundred tractors from all over the country will converge in the centre of Dublin and it, if that comes to pass, they will bring Dublin to a standstill. I guarantee you uh, that. Uh, listener says, uh, I'm 1000% behind the farmers. Tell them, park up the tractors and leave them there until the meat barons come to their senses and minister creed. It's the only way to get their attention and farmers get what they need. And that's from John in Guinea who's 1,000% behind the farmers and he says, P.S. I'm not a farmer before people jump in and say he must be a farmer. I'm not. Elizabeth in North Cork, on the other hand, is married to a dairy farmer. She said, I feel that man, and this was Dermot Hennebury, should be addressing his problems along with the other farmers to the factories and not to the government. If that man went to Mart, he would realise that young farmers are making, young cattle, sorry, are making money. Prices are rocketing, but that wasn't mentioned. That's according to Elizabeth, who contacted us from North Cork. 1850 And a lot of people I can see were commenting on graves and that when you buy a plot, it might be, you might own it and it might be your parcel of land, so to speak, and it might be, but you can't just build what you want on it. And Pat and Skibrina thinks makes an interesting point. When you buy a plot of land, you can't just build what you want on it. it has to go through the planning process so surely the same applies at a gra- grave- graveyard he said I can't see the logic in letting people build whatever they want in a graveyard it is a normal site at the end of the day which is which is a good and a fair point uh, to make some of your texts in Martin Infomoy wants to pick up John John was the person who was blaming everyone the antisocial behaviour on people who live in council estates and he was saying that if uh, and people who are he claimed they were all from council estates and they were all out of work I think he claimed as well which I thought was very unfair and that you can't put a blanket statement like that and say that everyone lives in a council estate doesn't work there are many people go out and they work very very hard including our Martin who says I live in a council estate and I work get up every single day and I get to work so tell Martin get off his high horse and wake up and smell the roses antisocial behaviour is everywhere and it is not just on council estates, says Martin. Another listener wants to pick up on somebody who suggests that people on, was a false scheme. I think actually it was John as well, wasn't it? 
um, who said that if you want, if you want to build the if you want to build the wall around the cemetery, someone had suggested to put some put people in a community employment schemes and set up a scheme that it would be cheaper than paying two hundred thousand, which is the price that was quoted to build the wall at the city meeting last night. Somebody says, and somebody says, you know, put them on community schemes. Yeah, but what if somebody fell off the fence? They'd be able to claim and who'd be responsible then? The litigious society in which we live. Jay says, morning, uh, Patricia. Who's to blame? The government for making the laws or the do-gooders? This is on antisocial behaviour. If Johnny or Mary got a kick in the rear end when they were young, they'd learn about right from wrong. And they'd learn a bit of respect. You can't even raise your voice to a child these days now without them threatening to call Tusla or to call the guards. And they'll threaten to do that. They'll threaten to call their parents. They'll threaten to call Tusla on their parents. So in many cases, parents are afraid when it comes to disciplining their children. Would it not be cheaper, says another texter, to have security just when the daylight ends rather than have the 24-hour security, which is what they've had in Kilcolly this week at the cost of €6,500. Could they not just have it at night time? Would it not be okay during the day? Even though, listening to the package that Fiona Corcoran had from that action group that's been formed, there seems to be antisocial behaviour going on up there at that particular cemetery, not just at the evening time, it's going on in the daylight uh, as well. And then John says to the Douglas listener who has the four plots and she bought them for her family and who now don't want them she's wondering what to do with them chance I'd buy one of those plots off that person with the grave thanking you can you just sell a plot on to somebody else I'm suggesting the Douglas listener goes back to the council to see if the council want to buy them back from them and Madge suggests that the good people of Kilcolly who have family members buried in Kilcolly Cemetery would need to get a reputable lawyer and take on the council over who is responsible for the repair of their graves 1850 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie Shambhali more bingo Due to be held tonight That has been cancelled While a meeting Will go ahead In Drum Tariff Parish Hall Tonight With a view to setting up A committee To organise The centenary commemoration Of the Clonbannon ambush And the Clonbannon ambush Took place on the 5th of March 1921 Everyone is welcome. Alice in Pantoland, Pantoland opens in Fomoy Community Youth Centre tonight and it runs up to and including Sunday the 26th of January. Total of 10 shows. Major fundraising event for the Youth Centre and you can book now by uh, contacting Fomoy Community Youth Centre on Ash Key. Drina Community Alert. They've got an information night in Drina Community Hall tonight, 8 o'clock. Topics include farm safety. And Barry Row Ladies Club, they're hosting an evening with the lovely Bibi Baskin. That's on tonight, half past eight, in the Court McSherry Community Centre. All are welcome. It's a free event. Refreshments will be served. And just to, to remind you, Bibi Baskin will have her new book with her, the book she spoke to us about here on the programme before Christmas. And Kilbrin Bingo, that goes ahead tonight as normal. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie I want to go to the phone lines where Caroline in Carrigadrohid joins me. Good afternoon to you, Caroline. Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, this is a new scam on me. Yep. Tell me about the phone call you got. I was sitting at home and my phone rang and it was a zero zero four. Normally I wouldn't answer them, but I was expecting a call about something else, so I answered it. 
and this ma- this I got a voice message, well, a computer-generated voice saying that you have now signed up to Amazon Prime. And if you want to speak to somebody, press one. So I pressed one and this young man came on the phone. He said, you've signed up to Amazon Prime. I said, I have not. He said, you have. I said, I have not. He said, I said, where did you get my name? He said, Caroline, you've signed up. And I said, look, I said, this is a scam. I am putting down the phone. I'm going to ring the guardie. He put down the phone. I rang the guards. I rang you and I rang my bank. Okay. Are you a customer of Amazon? I've been a customer of Amazon to get books, but I gave them up four years ago because of we have a bookshop in McCroom and I joined the library. Well and that's what I did and I go to bookshops both in Cork City. So I gave them up and from that reason, I haven't had a book from them, I'd say, in four years. Okay. I'm actually trying to sign into them and I have to change my password to send them an email about it as well. Yeah, because I was just, I wanted to make doubly sure that, you, yeah. you know, sometimes you can click on something by yes. mistake that no. if you were a customer, Absolute, but you didn't. No. No. Anyway, we've discovered that there's a scam that's been yeah. going around the United Kingdom for a while. Right. So we're assuming it's now hit yeah. Ireland, whereby yeah. victims like yourself, you receive, yeah. it's an automated call, firstly exactly. saying you've been charged. Yeah. Then you get connected to the scammer, yeah. posing as an Amazon worker. He Correct. wasn't an Amazon worker uh, when you tried to cancel the subscription and since the start of September Action Fraud have received this is in the United Kingdom 200 yep. reports and people have lost money yep. Well they've started here now, now and, the, and the obviously the way I'm just trying to think how they were going to scam you they were going to look for well, my bank details bank details for the yep. 30 for, and for 38 euro for 39.95 Well, and it isn't even that expensive for it's, Amazon Prime It's Brand. not you see so it's, it's coming below and people say no maybe you know, so it's just the minute when he, when I knew that I didn't sign up to it, yeah. I said, this is a scam. But it's just for other members of the community, older people, you know, and he sounds very affable and very nice. And he had my name. Yeah. Now, how, so yeah. How you, now, I'm like most people today, Patricia, in that most of my phone calls are on my mobile. And I thought, God, that's strange. Was this to your landline? This was to my landline. Are you ex-directory? No. Well, then your number is out there yeah. for everybody to yeah, see. Yeah, I suppose, so, yeah. And they have ways of getting around. It's, it's like when they quote the number on a visa card and everyone yes. oh, they had the number, the first four numbers and everyone's visa card is, is, the, is same, the same. Yeah. Yeah. They have ways of getting around it. They, they, have, they, yeah. they really do. All right, but it's a new one. And mm-hmm. my fear would be, because a lot of people do shop with Amazon, yes. people may think, oh God, did I hit Amazon Prime by mistake exactly, or something? Yeah. You know, exactly. And then they think, oh, well, it's your 40 euros. It isn't that expensive. Yeah, you need to be careful. Yeah, All right, listen. And Thank you for sharing that not with us. Not at all. Not okay. at, it makes me cross. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, well, they didn't okay. catch you. There's no flies on you, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. Thanks a million. Bye bye. Have a lovely afternoon. Thank you for that. Be careful. Amazon Prime, the latest one. And thanks to Carol, Caroline uh, in Carrig Adrohad. And John was on earlier. My apologies. I'm only getting around to this now to say, uh, Morning, Patricia. I was in a cafe last Sunday and I couldn't get over a little family that I was watching. There was four. There was Mammy, there was Daddy and there was two children. The children were on their games consoles for the entire time that they were in the cafe. Dad and Mammy, what were they doing? They were both on their phones. Uh, John said, it was ju- I was just felt so sad looking over at them. Nobody talking, nobody exchanging any kind of you know, communication, nobody asking anybody how they were, what kind of a day you were having. After about 15 minutes of not one word passing between them while John was there, they got up to leave. And it was only at that stage one of the parents said, come on, lads, put on your jackets. And they all walked out. They had had something to eat. They had had something to drink. But it looked like no conversation at all. You know, and I don't know what time of the day. It was a cafe. Was Did they go out for breakfast? Were they out for brunch? 
but it does it, it paints kind of a sad scene doesn't it and there's a nice opportunity for the family to get out together on a Sunday because if say mammy and daddy are both working but even if they're not the children are at school and it would be the last Sunday the children would have been just back at school a week so it would have been the end of their first week so you would have had the children you know ho- you know back home talking about how they got on what was it like being back at school how was everybody doing and instead everybody sits there children on their games consoles and of course children need no encouragement to go on a games console the encouragement needs to come from the parents for everyone to say we're going out for breakfast we're going out for lunch or brunch or whatever it is let's all of us leave our electronic equipment behind and it does go back to the mams and the dads. I would absolutely 100% blame the mams and the dads there. They must lead by example. If all children see is mammy and daddy on the phone, so what? the children are not going to learn how to communicate. They're not going to learn. This is the time where we talk to mammy and daddy, shook mammy and daddy are talking to each other and, and they're missing so many opportunities. For there's, there's No one came away from that little soiree last Sunday with any kind of a memory. They literally, there's no memory at all attached to that. They'd probably be hard pushed if we contacted them today, two days later, to say, what did you actually have to eat? They probably wouldn't even be able to remember it. 1850 Um, The election and what's going on with the election and who's going to be the new minister. The Minister for Health was the one in particular because it just seemed to be the toughest portfolio of all. Breathe and Mill Street, Patricia. It'll be like musical chairs for the election. They'll just move everyone around to a different post. No use at all, says Breathe. And Tim says, the best way for a leader to short circuit a rival is to appoint him or her Minister for Health. And Tim has a prediction. Either Michael McGrath or Jim O'Callaghan, Miriam O'Callaghan's brother, will get the job. <laughs> I'll try and remember to make a note of that, Tim. If not, you, will you save the that text for me? And if you, if it comes true, send it back in to me once we have a new election and once we have a new government appointed. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. We're going to take a break and we're back chatting with Joe Heffernan. Court today on C one zero three with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go, Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smoke. Oakless coal, turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie. Egg foil mock quid then and here is Farlin. Shaw eight thrower C103 Air Kirkig. Ha Aglish Nev Padrag's pole air hroj foil a lorna kaharach. Ha caller in Aglish, a togo sivien, och gied sashaskashe, Marialer gach a ta irndevishtig, un dara gatach, agazun rinna rate untach, binja goni mask na multi dos na rodias far ledi on of a gurkig er trip advisor. Agas is minik gunenter kershiser, mor oat huenach. Un hiadurelig metu lorna kaharach. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. 
wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And uh, Joe Heffernan joins us. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you too. And you're just back. You had a week in the sun. You Did you land yesterday during Storm Brendan? Just at the tail end of it. Um, <laughs> we were worried that would we you know, be able to land in in Cork. Yeah. Because Cork would be famous, as you know, for um, uh, wind is the big problem with Cork. And um, often people get, uh, 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 what's the word, redirected. Di- uh, diverted, Shannon, yeah. Which was the other way around. The Shannon people were being actually... Diverted to Cork. To Cork. So now, but, it, but it was bumpy enough, I'd say, was it? The going out was desperate. Yeah. The going out, um, nothing at all to do with Brendan or anyone oh, okay. else. No, just um, maybe the worst turbulence I've ever experienced. Wow. People getting sick, the whole lot. Um, yeah, even the, the people on Aer Lingus coming back were saying that they'd heard all the stories about the week before going out, that um, it became a bit of a talking point. Um, with crews and everything that uh, was pretty bad. You were just unlucky. Yeah. 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 Okay, but you had a nice week in the sun and there's no, and I was saying it to Annalise Trussell, a nutrition therapist, she was in Mexico for Christmas and I was just saying there's something lovely about getting sun on your bones at this time of year. Absolutely. Yeah. And necessary, I think. Now, today we are, we're, we're looking at the new year and we're looking at a new year's resolution and you'll, always, you'll often hear people say, oh, I don't do new year's resolutions because I always fail and then when you fail, you feel like a, a total loser. Mm. Uh, so sometimes it's not the best idea and I know you certainly would be a great advocate of not giving up things on the 1st of January you know like I people won't. people who are want to give up smoking never do it on the 1st of January you're almost setting yourself up for failure but this is a lovely New Year's resolution to be kind to oneself and to others for 2020 yeah yeah and 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 the benefits of saying um, you know uh, I remember talking with you before about oxytocin now I don't want to get into a whole scientific thing I don't know the half of it anyway but um I was at a, a workshop uh, presented by a Dr. David Hamilton, and he is the author of a book called Why Kindness is Good for You, and um, which can be got um, anywhere, um, uh, only to look it up. Um, and he spoke about the connection between kindness, good feelings, and oxytocin, a neurotransmitter and a hormone that is produced apparently in the hypothalamus, in the brain from there, it is transported to and secreted by the pituitary gland at the base of the brain. Now, um, I'm taking his word for all that, but positive feelings apparently generate oxytocin, oxytocin, which has a beneficial effect on 
heart, um, immune system, um, uh, and this has been very, very, very scientifically proven. So that, in other words, like, without all the science, um, being kind is good for you. And um, it's and obviously, you know, if you if a kindness act is done to you, you're going to benefit. But it's the person doing the act of kindness. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's like when you give a gift. I mean, many of us at Christmas would have been hopefully in the wonderful position that we were able to buy gifts for family and friends. And there's something magical about giving somebody something, particularly if it's something that you know that they really want. It's a great feeling about that that's you know that's an act of kindness absolutely I remember you know when um, uh, when we would exchange gifts we tend to do that uh, on Christmas Eve night yeah <coughs> and you know you're more anticipating the look on the person's face when they open the gift that you've given them yeah and you're hoping that the eyes will light up and that you've got it right and there's a great old feeling in that and um even though there's one is delighted, um, hopefully, with the gift that they've got, um, I think the other way around is even um, b- b- better, you know. Um, there was a Dr. Martin Seligman, the, the founder of Positive Psychology, and a quotation was <clears throat> from him, doing a kindness has produced the single most reliable increase in well-being of any exercise we have tested. Imagine. So there's a, a great increase in well-being when we do a kindness for others. And you list some of the benefits of kindness. Yeah. Well, in relationships, obviously, if you're kind. Um, you know, people talk about love, love, love and all that. But um, that's great. And uh, But I think love can be a doing thing more so than a kind of a feeling or thinking thing. For example, the cup of tea um, that a person might look a bit tired and you would say, would you like a cup of tea? And they, they might say, I'd love one. And that's, that's, you know, that's beneficial to both people. A compliment, which is uh, truly felt and, um, and genuine and... Uh, can make the day better for both people as well. So that, like, these things don't cost anything. Um, Empathy, warmth, um, but they do make um, our day a better day, Um, you know. Um, I read an article recently then as well about optimism, and I'm going to research this a bit more, and we might talk about it at some future date. Okay. That being optimistic... Um, and I mean that kind of ties in with what we're talking about because if you have a kind of a kind and warm disposition, I think that goes along with being an optimist. Yeah, yeah. and it's been proven that um, being optimistic can contribute to better health, better healing power, and longer life. Um, I would always have believed that. Yeah, I would always. It's like being around positive people versus being around negative people. Everybody loves being around a positive person. Their, you know, their outlook is much better. They're nicer company, and then you meet with the negative people, which is all doom and gloom and the pessimists. Nobody wants to be around them. No, and what we need to do in our day, like, is notice the good things, and um, you know, kind of pass by the the the, the other stuff, um, you know. It was lashing rain this morning. Okay. But to be able to say, do you know what? 
the afternoon will probably be brighter and better. And as it turns out, it is. Um, uh, uh, I, I remember um, with a certain scepticism now, um, having a look at that book, um, oh God, I hope I can remember it now, The Secret. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there, there, there was a lot in it. Uh, in fact, I think it was all about the, um, the law of attraction. That, you know, sometimes what you expect is, is what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a test done with people about optimism. And they were asked to kind of um, make up a story in their heads about um, the best possible um, uh, outcome. So it was kind of making up a story about, we'll say um, uh, somebody wants to date another person, but they're wondering, will they ask them? They're wondering, will they be uh, shot down? They're wondering, will it be okay or what? Okay. So in that kind of a circumstance now, where that would be the goal, um, uh, for a person to imagine that they've gone on a date with the person, that it is going great, and that um, that they're getting on brilliantly, that they have a lot in common, and all of that. And in that same study, even people were asked to write a little short story, quite brief, about the uh, the the wonderful um, picture, you know. Uh, uh, the story of how it all went well. And apparently, um, uh, this gave rise to people uh, making the the thing they wanted happen. Even in the old golf, like, you'd hear at times to visualise um, visualize the ball going down the middle of the fairway. Yeah. Now, if there's a wood on the right and a, and a river on the left, and if you're if your emphasis or your uh, mindset is avoid the river, avoid the wood, sure as God you're going to do one or the other. <laughs> yes, um, right, yeah. Whereas um, um, the, the the positive visualisation Straight down helps. the middle. Straight down the middle. Fran and Art Patrick says, interesting that we're talking about kindness today. He wants to recommend a book. It's Charlie Mac... I don't know if you've heard about this. It's Charlie Mackesy's book called The Boy, The Mole, the Fox and the Horse. Uh, it was released at the end of last year and uh, Fran obviously read it over Christmas totally about kindness. He said it's a very sweet book and it's a book that you keep going back to. So I did a quick search on it and it was actually the Waterstone Book of the Year for 2019 and it's exactly as Fran describes it it explores kindness through exquisite sensitive artwork the boy the mole the fox and the horse is a moving study in friendship and the perfect gift for those people that you hold closest to your heart it looks absolutely delightful I so must people, get that because yeah. funnily enough when I was in Waterstones um, you know I saw the big um, sign uh, Waterstones Book of the Year yeah but um, yeah, I I I, I had a look uh, at the cover as I passed along. But now that it has been recommended that way, um, that's a book I will get and have a look. Uh, have okay, a read it's just, of, and yeah. it's an interesting name: the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse okay. by Charlie at Macassave People. And thank you to Fran uh, mm. for that um, mm. uh, suggestion. Uh, so, and then being kind to ourselves. Uh, I mean, we're talking about being kind to us, but it's so important to be kind to ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely, and and that we would, um, you know, again, um, the old aeroplane story about uh, when the oxygen thing comes down, put on your own first, and then tend to any child or dependent person. Um, 
yeah, we have to look after ourselves. Now, people often say, like, oh, my God, um, is, is that not very selfish? And I always say that there's a big difference between selfish and self-care. Um, and caring for oneself is is essential. Um, and the funny thing is that, like, as you are kind to others, you are actually looking after y- yourself. And what what do we mean by that? Well, it can be a kind word. It can be a smile. Um, uh, I found that um, in, in travels, you know, and here or there or anywhere else, that if you give a bit of a smile and if you're pleasant to the person you're dealing with, yeah. you'll get on an awful lot better. Um, and it costs you absolutely nothing. Absolutely. Um, I did the old smile and the how are you now and how are things and, um, you know, a lot of that uh, <laughs> in Cork Airport. And uh, I said, would it be okay if we threw the two little bits of luggage on, into the hold instead of uh, bringing them on board? Yeah. Not a problem. <laughs> you know, whereas if it was, um, I mean... You know, I'm sure if I was scowling and in bad humour and, yeah, and snapping and, that, and snapping, uh, I'd have been people. told, um, "No, yeah. they go on board with you." And listen, we're blessed at Cork Airport. We've got the, they're great. They are some of the most incredible staff I have encountered in airports anywhere around the world. Couldn't I agree just, more. I think it's fantastic, and long may. Cork Airport yeah. continue and I would love to see more and more flights so I always get excited when I, when I see flights yeah. uh, extra flights ok um, and would you believe a hug is good for your heart a hug is good for your heart um, uh, that was one of the um, things that I came across um, I thought was a lovely little sentence a hug is good for your heart and um, and other little things like um uh, you know, if you saw somebody, you know, may, maybe an elderly person, maybe not so elderly, and they're struggling at the supermarket because they have their arms full and they'd need another two hands to just say, you know, do, can I give you help with that? Yeah. And maybe take one or two of the items out with the person to the car. You know, that's a lovely thing to do and, and, just, it, and, helps, you, and, and you, it helps you too. And you make such a difference to that person's life. Yes. Both people go home um, with, a, a, with a good feeling, and, and that's a fact. Um, you know, uh, I often talk about making a telephone call, sending an email, just something simple like that. I don't know if I annoy people, but um, uh, so, sometimes if I see a newspaper article and I think, oh, God, Jim would be very interested in that now, or, um, uh, you know, God, Paul would be interested in that. So I tend to cut them out and keep them. Now, I get into trouble at home. For, hoard, for hoarding. The, yeah, stop. Um, you know, I once had a, a big cardboard box full of absolutely essential uh, newspaper cuttings. Had to be kept. <laughs> and one day the whole lot got the blue bin. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, you know, just having that kind of an attitude. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes you could walk down the street... And you could take a look around. Maybe you're having a fairly good old day. I don't know what way it comes. But you might just say, I wish absolutely everyone on this street well. And I hope that they have a lovely day and I wish them health and happiness. You just say it to yourself. You're yeah. Not, you're, not, you're not saying it out loud in case I think you're completely... No. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I think the kindness and, you know, basic decent manners 
go very yeah. much hand, hand in hand and, and I know following the death of Brendan Grace it came out uh, that Brendan Grace uh, was famous for if he heard somebody mention him or somebody in the media would have given him a mention he'd always put a little card in the post or if you interviewed him there'd always be a little card put in the post afterwards uh, to say thank you that he just appreciated it, it so much and it's just good basic manners but again, it was a very kind act and he was basically recipro- reciprocating kindness that he felt was done unto him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, the next time we meet up now, um, I, I had one or two letters um, uh, referring to our slot um, here on C103. And, um, you know, uh, w- without divulging any names, um, I- I'll-, I'll just show you some of the content. And it would be um, things like I, I find um, the kind of down-to-earth common-sense approach very helpful. I-, I like to listen in. Things like that. And people go to the trouble of putting that on paper, putting it in an envelope, putting a stamp in it, and sending it. And... Um, just as I'm saying that now to anyone who is listening, whoever did that, or made a phone call um, uh, to either yourselves or me, uh, to say thank you for that. that what a lovely thing to do. Um, I mean, I would never know that that had happened unless and only for the person taking the trouble to sit down and drop a note. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it's, and it's that just, the day. And it's so, it's so much appreciated. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, before we let you go, and very briefly, because I am running out of time, but I, I saw a text in uh, where somebody wanted to make sure that I asked you uh, about how Ken is, how is your son, son doing, and, and that we all want to wish him such good health for, for 2020. How is he doing? He's not long back from Tampa with the, the, the review, and um, the main word was that he's stable, good. and there was a slight, no, it was tiny, but it was in the right direction, a slight decrease in lesions. Okay. Um, we'll take that. We'll take that. Yeah, we'll we take absolutely that. will. Okay. I'd rather hear that than a slight increase. So it's going in the right direction. And please, God, no, 2020 will, you know, will continue in that vein. Well, pass on our best wishes to him and, and so many listeners. Again, that's a lovely, kind act that uh, we will often, following your slot or during your slot, people will say, let Joe know that we're thinking about him and, and uh, Ken and, and sending prayers and offering good thoughts. Uh, so, so keep that and yeah, in your so mind. Thank you so much for and that. We, we'll, and ta- we'll talk to you next week. I'm over on time. I've got to go. Goodbye. Okay, we'll bye, talk bye. next week. Um, thanks to um, John Paul McNamara. Talk to you tomorrow. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then, get the must-have app so you can take us everywhere. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. Okay. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. Turn up the volume. We are C103. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.